Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 103, Apple Glasses Are Inevitable. Hi, I'm Neil. The intriguing thing about analyzing Apple is this is a company that is continuously looking to enter new industries and get into new product categories. With that comes lots of opportunity, but also plenty of risk. From our perspective, Apple's never-ending search for coming up with new products adds a very interesting dynamic to this podcast. Every once in a while, we get to talk about a brand new topic. Today's episode represents one of those topics. We are going to talk about augmented reality glasses and why I think all of the pieces are coming together for Apple to sell glasses. We've talked about augmented reality in the past. When we talked about Apple and transportation, we sort of brought augmented reality in just a little bit. We definitely talked about augmented reality when we looked at the iPhone and how its role in our life is changing. I think the iPhone is going to become an augmented reality personal navigator. But we've never really talked about glasses, face wearables, you can say, and how glasses could represent the first product category designed specifically for the augmented reality era. In today's episode, what we're going to do is begin with why now is the time to talk about Apple Glasses? Why didn't we talk about this last year? Why aren't we waiting till 2018 to talk about it? And then we're going to go over the seven reasons why I think Apple Glasses are inevitable. We're not going to spend a lot of time in each one of those reasons. There is plenty of time in the future to do so. Instead, we're going to go over those seven reasons to set the scene for then focusing on the big picture, because I think that makes the most sense for this very first episode focused on this topic. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about glasses and why I think glasses are misunderstood as a device. We're going to go over why I think Apple's thought process about face wearables has evolved over time. The episode will then conclude with an overview of how this may trend. How will Apple actually sell glasses? It's not really as crazy as it may sound. So the best place to begin is with ARKit. This is Apple's new framework for developing augmented reality apps on iOS. It was introduced at WWDC. The way Apple defines augmented reality is it's the illusion of virtual objects placed in a physical world. That seems pretty straightforward. I think a lot of us probably think of Pokemon Go. Maybe we think of some of those really early iOS apps where if you're walking in a city, you hold up your phone, it may give you a little bit of information about what you're looking at. For the past few weeks, ARKit has sort of been a phenomenon. People are amazed at what developers can do with ARKit. However, I don't think the most interesting thing about this actually has to do with any particular use case. Instead, it has to do with what is happening here. With ARKit, and combining that with iPhone and iPad, Apple has the largest augmented reality platform out there. A billion iPhone and iPad devices means that there's more than a billion cameras that can be turned into smart eyes. 
That is what ARKit does. Developers can use those smart eyes and all of the technology that's found in iPhones and iPads that we already use to enhance our reality. Now, some of the early examples are intriguing, and I think on Twitter there's a couple of accounts that have been created where people are just going crazy retweeting and liking these examples. Some of them are a little bit gimmicky. I think that's okay. However, if anything, I think it just sort of shows what is possible. And that is almost everything. However, there is an issue that has been brought up with ARKit. And that is the enhanced reality that developers can create. Well, it's constrained to what appears on our iPhone and iPad screens. And so we have to hold up our devices. There was one example that really caught a lot of people's attention. It was a sort of a virtual turn-by-turn -turn directions app in which you can hold up your phone and it could kind of show you where to walk around the city. Okay, pretty interesting. However, the thought of having to constantly hold up your iPhone in front of your face, or even if it's just kind of in front of you, that doesn't sound too appealing. In fact, when you look at a lot of these AR app ideas, I think anything involving holding up an iPhone or iPad and not really requiring much user manipulation on the screen, I think that makes sense for something else, a different kind of form factor. I think it makes more sense for glasses, which are basically just small screens in front of our eyes. Now, this isn't meant to say that iPad and iPhone won't be very useful tools for augmented reality. As we talked about in the past, the iPhone's future is an augmented reality navigator. However, there is something interesting found with wearables, and specifically wearable form factors. I actually think wearables will outpace iPhone and iPad over time in terms of their ability to extract utility from augmented reality. And I think glasses will be a prime example of this. So turning to the thought of Apple selling augmented reality glasses, is this crazy? Is this actually possible? When you look at augmented reality glasses, we could also just say AR glasses to simplify things. I think they check off all of the boxes for a product right in Apple's wheelhouse and deserving one of those rare green lights to market. That last point is crucial. It really sets Apple apart from a company such as Amazon. These two companies, they think so differently about risk and failure. We could probably go into a whole other episode about that. If you took a few minutes and looked at the Above Avalon Podcasts archive and took a look at all of the previous episodes going back to the end of 2014, you won't find too many episodes focused on new industries that Apple will enter or new products that I think are inevitable. There are really only two at this point, transportation and wearables. And so to call Apple glasses as something that's inevitable, that's rare. And I think it is important to make that distinction. I don't say this too often. 
I don't look at a potential product category and just really come away with the conclusion that this is something Apple's really going to do. So what gives me confidence that Apple glasses get one of those rear green lights to market? I came up with seven reasons. I came up with more, but I actually kind of consolidated them into seven. And again, we'll go through these pretty quickly. The first, hardware and software integration. I think that there is an opportunity here for Apple to create value by controlling both the software and hardware comprising AR glasses. What that means is that the sum will be greater than the parts. That's going to give Apple an advantage versus maybe a software company trying to get into this market or a hardware company trying to get into this market. The second reason, wearables manufacturing. When you look at Apple Watch, look at AirPods, I think Apple's learning quite a bit about manufacturing techniques and materials for those new products, for wearables. Those lessons can be transferred over to glasses. As we'll talk about in a few minutes, one of the key items for glasses is you need to make them light, yet you need to pack in so much technology. The third item, speaking of technology, it's augmented reality. I think Apple's big bet on augmented reality will represent the catalyst for turning glasses into something more. Look at ARKit. It's developing an engaged base of iOS developers interested in augmented reality. I think that's going to give Apple Glasses a very friendly environment when it launches in terms of third-party apps. You're going to have so many people who are intrigued by that device. Other companies, I think, are going to struggle trying to get developers on board. The fourth item, this is one of the more important ones, personal technology evolution. I think a pair of augmented reality glasses would represent the evolution of Apple's decades-long quest to make technology more personal. What does that mean? People can get more out of technology without having it take over our lives. That's one reason why the iPhone and the iPad has done so well. Why they now represent an alternative to the Mac and PC. The fifth reason, fashion and luxury themes. Apple has learned quite a bit about this subject from Apple Watch. That device has taught Apple how to get people to wear personal technology. That's going to be crucial for a pair of glasses. The sixth reason, health and medical. This one's a little bit obvious, but I think it's important. The ability to improve one's vision. I think it's going to fit with Apple's interest in health and medical. And then, of course, the seventh reason, and I think some people are probably really going to focus on this one because it is so intriguing. Apple has nearly 500 Apple retail stores. Those are prime locations to have demo areas for people to try on glasses, and not just any pair of glasses, augmented reality glasses. I think that's a very big deal. No other company has that at their disposal. They instead have to rely on a third-party retailer, and even then there's going to be questions about how effective that would be. You cannot underestimate Apple retail when it comes to selling wearables. So if you're Apple 
and you're selecting the next big industry to enter, the next product category to get into, I think augmented reality glasses are very high on the list. At this point, let's talk a little bit more about glasses, the device we wear on our face. A few weeks ago, I sent out a few tweets about this subject, and I got a lot of feedback about this. A lot of people were sort of wondering, what are you talking about? Or, or what is the meaning of these tweets? I think glasses have gone a bad rap. I don't think the device has been able to shake the connotation of being a medical device. It's still common to hear people say something like, I wouldn't wear glasses if I didn't need to. I think that kind of description ends up underselling glasses. It ignores the device's purpose and potential. People wear glasses because they provide utility. For many, that utility is improved vision. Corrective lenses, so we're talking about both glasses and contact lenses in this context, they provide a clearer sense of reality to the wearer. So yeah, technically glasses, I think they already are kind of augmented reality devices. Recent statistics point to about 75% of the population having vision that can be improved with corrective lenses. So that tells me that the percentage of people who actually wear glasses or contact lenses, it's less than 75%. However, in certain age demographics, the percentage, it's quite a bit higher, believe it or not. I am one of those people who wears corrective lenses. I have both glasses and contact lenses. I'm primarily a contact lens wearer, though. I usually don't wear glasses too often. Does that give me some sort of different perspective on this topic? Does that change our discussion about augmented reality glasses? Yes and no. Augmented reality glasses are going to be for everyone. Even if you have perfect vision, you're going to have use for augmented reality glasses. But as someone who wears contact lenses and glasses, it cannot be overstated how clearer vision is one of the most value-add items a product can provide. If I take my iPhone and all of my other gadgets and I say to myself, well, what item would I select in importance over the iPhone? There aren't too many. <laughs> However, I would pick my glasses, and my contact lenses. I do consider those as a type of gadget. And I think that sort of never really gets as much attention as it should. I think a lot of people who have corrective lenses, they don't really think about it. They just sort of wear them. What this really shows is that a device that can change our perception of our surroundings, it's a very big deal. For people who need corrective lenses, being able to see clearer is life-changing. However, I do think augmented reality has the potential for creating a very similar situation for everybody, for both people who need corrective lenses and for those who have perfect vision. It's a very intriguing idea, but would augmented reality glasses essentially improve everyone's vision? For some, it's being able to see things clearer, but for everyone, it's providing additional context to our surroundings. That's why as someone who wears corrective lenses, I think I'm in a position to notice how this device is more than just simply, oh yeah, I have to wear them to see. 
blah. If I don't need them, I'm going to leave them at home. I look at them differently. I look at glasses as something that it gives me something. It provides a utility. I don't think people should sell that particular feature short. Speaking of utility, glasses are actually starting to do something entirely different. A growing number of people are wearing glasses even though they have perfect vision. Glasses are actually becoming accessories for the face. Glasses are a fashion item. People are selecting different frames to complement maybe a particular outfit, a haircut, a social occasion. I think sunglasses have become the universal fashion accessory. I recently took a trip to the local mall and I went to Macy's, checked out the men's watch section. No one's ever there. (laughs) Uh, But what was interesting was they rearranged the watch section. This is the first time that I recall them making this type of change. must be 10, 15 years. The thing that now has the most visibility are sunglasses. So I think there's, a, there's, there's something there, some type of symbolism in which they are pushing men's watches to the side and instead focusing on selling sunglasses. You walk through the mall, there's now stores. There's an increasing number of stores. They're focused on one thing. They're focused on selling one accessory, sunglasses. Consumers, they now have thousands of frames to choose from. So the product known as glasses It's very intriguing. There's a lot there. It provides utility to a lot of people, not just those who need corrective lenses, but even those who want fashion. And I think that's very important when you start thinking about how Apple can enter this discussion and how Apple can turn glasses into something more. When it comes to how Apple has approached glasses in the past, I actually think there has been a type of evolution that's taken place. A few years ago, Tim Cook and Johnny Ive, they were talking about face wearables, glasses and sunglasses, and their comments were pretty clear. They just weren't too interested in glasses. Instead, they were looking at the wrist as being the more natural place for adding utility. So here's Tim Cook. This is 2013 at the D11 conference. I wear glasses because I have to. I can't see without them. So I kind of have that problem. I don't know a lot of people that wear them that don't have to. People that do wear them, they generally want them to be light. They want them to be unobtrusive. They probably want them to reflect their fashion, their style, and so forth. And so from a mainstream point of view, glasses are difficult. It's interesting how Cook basically describes glasses just as we were talking about a few minutes ago, where he kind of looked at them as a medical device. We then jump ahead to early 2015, Johnny referring to the wrist as the most obvious and right place for a wearable device, while the face is the wrong place. Tim Cook once again dismisses glasses. He said, we always thought that glasses were not a smart move from a point of view that people would not really want to wear them. They were intrusive instead of pushing technology to the background, as we've always believed. Those comments need a little bit of context. In 2013, when Tim Cook made that initial comment about glasses, I think Apple was well on its way to developing Apple Watch. So they knew the wrist would represent Apple's entry into wearable computing. 
We then have the 2015 comments. That was just a few months before the Apple Watch launch. If Apple executives talked up anything other than Apple Watch and wrist utility, I think that would have been surprising. The thing is, this management team is not big into misdirection. There aren't too many examples of Apple shooting down certain product categories only to then enter the same space shortly thereafter. It just doesn't really happen. Instead, what they tend to do is give clues about what they are working on. We saw Apple do this with augmented reality. Now we're seeing with transportation. They, they're pretty good at, well, yeah, we're kind of, you know, there's something interesting in this particular field or in this particular product category. We didn't get that with glasses. I think there's a good probability that Apple management was not completely sold on the idea of face wearables or glasses when both Tim Cook and Johnny Ive provided those comments. When you consider Cook's initial comments, they took place well before Apple began acquiring augmented reality companies. And those companies are now playing a crucial role in justifying Apple getting into glasses. And prior to Apple Watch, Apple really had no experience in selling personal gadgets like glasses, sunglasses, watches. So I think a lot has changed. And I do think there is a type of evolution in thought within Apple when it comes to getting into sunglasses and glasses. For those of you who have been long time above Avalon readers, and maybe even readers of my analysis prior to Above Avalon, you would know that I have held hesitation regarding this concept of wearing computers on the face. And my skepticism has been primarily of one concerning design, how such a device would be used. And my fear has been that a computer on the face would represent a barrier. It would prevent us from getting the most out of technology. That seems a little counterintuitive. I think a lot of people look at VR headsets and say, well, it's the opposite. You could get so much out of technology. I just look at it differently. So when you look at what's available today in terms of computers for the face or even what's being worked on, a lot of companies, what they're doing is they're basically having R&D occur in public view. It's a very silly practice, but that's what companies are doing. You look at all of these VR headsets, these head-mounted displays like Google Glass, mixed reality. I don't think any of those devices represent the future of face wearables for the mass market. The best case scenario is maybe some of those items find certain applications in enterprise or gaming. I usually say people say that when products don't appeal to the mass market, and I think that's true. For augmented reality glasses to go mainstream, I think the product has to completely shed this image of being a computer for the face. So you look at something like Google Glass, it needs to get away from that. And I think the combination of design plus a new user interface represents that path forward as to how you can get face wearables, that term does not sound too pleasant, getting it into basically glasses, sunglasses. In recent months, I have found that my fears and hesitation regarding face wearables, which I do think have been warranted considering what we have available out there in the market, 
they've started to subside a little bit. And I think Apple's success with Apple Watch has really done a lot here. Apple has sold 29 million Apple Watches to date. Apple was able to do something very important with Apple Watch. They turned the dynamic of how technology meets fashion completely on its head. Apple was able to get people to wear an item that I think consensus was starting to think no longer had a place in a smartphone world. If you go back before Apple unveiled Apple Watch, smartwatches were bulky computers for the wrist. They had mediocre user experiences. They had questionable value. The product simply did not play in fashion and luxury. Basically, smartwatches were just judged by their functionality in terms of replacing a smartphone. The dynamic has completely changed. Smartwatches are now a mass market item, or maybe I should say Apple Watch is a mass market item. The smartwatch genre is still running into some trouble. But the Apple Watch now is just as much a fashion item as it is a computer. That's very important. Watch bands, the ability to switch or swap bands very easily. I think that's why we wear Apple Watch all day, every day. I think that dynamic could be recreated for glasses. I think Apple has the potential now to change the narrative surrounding smart glasses. Our perception of that kind of device, it could change. It could move beyond just simply Google Glass or all these VR headsets. Turning to the idea of Apple actually selling glasses, how is this going to work? What would this look like? The first thing has to do with design. So when you're envisioning a pair of Apple glasses, I wouldn't actually overthink this. Over at AboveAvalon.com in the article, Apple Glasses Are Inevitable, I included a few images of what I think Apple Glasses will look like. And what I end up using were Mark Newsom's previous designs. So in 2014, he was working for one of his clients, and he came up with a special collection, various glasses and sunglasses. Newsom is the most recent addition to Apple's industrial design group. I think that Apple Glasses would share quite a few attributes with Newsom's designs. You're talking about lightweight, having the lens be a, a very large surface area relative to the face. I think all of that will carry over. Now, there is a history of Apple industrial design relying heavily on Newsom's prior designs. If you look at Apple Watch, a number of those initial watch bands were pretty clearly inspired by Mark Newsom. My theory on Mark is I do think he's playing a role in Apple's wearable strategy, and I also think he has plenty to add to Apple's transportation initiatives. Basically, Mark is really good at designing things that are really small and then designing things that are really big. He's designed airplanes. He's designed interiors for airplanes. So I think sunglasses, glasses, that would seem to be right up in his uh, expertise as he's done that in the past. Turning to strategy, we're going to go through this pretty quickly because, again, this is where you could really go into details. You could spend a whole episode just focus on this. I think Apple Glasses, they would be a mass market item. Target market would be measured in hundreds of millions of users. This is similar to Apple Watch and wireless AirPods. This is not going to be some type of niche device that's only going to be for a certain person. It's going to be for everyone. The go-to-market strategy is pretty straightforward. 
you would go and buy hardware from Apple online and store. You'll buy it through third-party retailers. You could even buy it probably from lens crafters or stores that are selling corrective lenses. Apple Glasses basically will be a continuation of Apple's existing wearable strategy. Over at AboveAvalon.com, I have a particular diagram that I've been using, and I really do enjoy it. It's Apple's future wearables platform, and I have a couple of circles, wrist, ears, eyes, and body. So in the wrist, Apple Watch. In the ears, wireless AirPods and Beats. In the eyes, it would be Apple Glasses. And of course, for the body, which would basically be clothing, that's still an R&D project. I don't think that's really a near-term thing for Apple. Apple Glasses, though, would be part of Apple's wearables platform. I think the product would initially be positioned as an iPhone accessory. I think that is a very crucial point. There's a lot of implications there. We won't discuss in this episode, but that's important. (laughs) And also, the Apple Watch and Apple Glasses combination. There's some intriguing things with that as well. So this idea of we already have Apple devices either on our body or near our body, that could be pretty important in terms of this concept of augmented reality glasses. I don't think Apple would sell just one version. I think they will have an entire line of Apple glasses, lots of various lenses, prescription, light responsive, polarized, even clear, of course. There'll be different sizes for men and women. I think the prescription lens angle is very intriguing because now Apple glasses would qualify as an item covered by insurance plans. You'll be able to use your flexible spending or your health spending account dollars for this device. That's also intriguing. In terms of pricing, I actually think Apple glasses would just continue Apple's current strategy, underprice their wearables relative to the competition. It's a very controversial idea, but when you actually look at it, it's happening. It's true. Apple Watch, wireless AirPods, they are priced extremely competitively. Turning to marketing, I think it's very important not to miss the forest for the trees here. Why would Apple Glasses exist? The device's purpose would be to enhance, not replace reality for the wearer. So as it stands today, glasses enhance reality by making things appear clearer. In the future, that utility will be transformed. I think glasses, they won't just make our surroundings appear clearer. They'll use augmented reality to provide additional context to our surroundings. The implications from that are very expansive. They can impact really everything and anything. In the article over at AboveAvalon.com, I briefly addressed this issue of what would be the killer app for Apple Glasses. That's what everyone seems to want to know these days. Like, What would be the best feature of this particular item? And I have an issue with that phrase, killer app, because I think its meaning has been all over the place in recent years. For example, with the iPhone, I don't think the iPhone has a killer app. I think the device itself is the killer app. The iPhone's the most valuable computer in our life. The iPhone's role in our life has evolved over time, a true sign of its value, by the way. But I don't think there is such a thing as a killer app. For Apple Watch, is the killer app really health tracking, fitness tracking? I don't think it is. I think it's different to everybody. I think, if anything, the watch bands 
could be the most important part of Apple Watch. And so when you look at Apple glasses, I don't really, I'm not too concerned with, well, what is the killer app? Apple glasses would provide an improved view of the world to the user. That's a pretty big deal. Now, what that means to you or me or your friend, it could be something completely different. So if you want to stick with that killer app distinction, I think it would just simply be enhancing reality. That's the purpose of the device. Another question that people may ask is, well, would Apple Glasses replace an iPhone? No, I don't think it would replace an iPhone. I don't think any product would replace an iPhone. We've discussed this in the past, why I don't like the word replace. If you think about new products in the sense of their ability to replace existing products, I think that's completely wrong. I think it's faulty. iPhones and iPads, they don't replace PCs and Macs. They are viable alternatives to PCs and Macs. In terms of Apple Glasses, they won't replace an iPhone, but I do think they'll serve as a viable alternative to the iPhone one day. Apple Glasses would be given a different set of tasks that we never gave to the iPhone. The last topic that I want to briefly mention, timing. Historically, Apple has launched a major new product category every few years. It seems like people think it's like three years. In reality, it's probably more like five to seven. The thing is, we don't have a long history here of actually judging how does Apple approach new industries in terms of timing. Do they wait a certain number of years? I don't think they do. Do they get more aggressive if it's been a long time since Apple got into a new product category? It's tough to know because we really haven't seen it in the past. What we do know is the Apple Watch was unveiled in 2015. So I think Apple has some time here before pressure arises for the company to do something new and launch a new product category. There's still plenty for Apple to work on in terms of Apple Watch, making sure that, that product category continues to gain momentum. We have wireless AirPods as well. I still think there is plenty that Apple can do there in which it's more than just wireless headphones. We also have HomePod. We have new iPhones. We have plenty of things for Apple to work on. However, we can be very sure that Apple will enter new product categories. That's why Apple exists, to come up with new products. And when you look at Apple Glasses, and then you compare this to other things that Apple's currently working on, I think it's plausible that Apple Glasses have become Apple's most likely new major product category, even ahead of any transportation initiative. And the reason is what we just spent the past 35 minutes talking about. All of the pieces are starting to come together for Apple to sell glasses. When you consider other R&D initiatives at Apple, you just don't get the same feeling. Either there's still holes that need to be plugged, there's still issues with strategy, the overall market just really isn't ready yet for a company to come in and completely change an experience to position an industry for the future, there's a lot more questions. However, when you take a step back and you look at where Apple's currently headed, you look at Apple's core competencies, you look at Apple's M&A track record, it is no longer a question of if Apple will sell its own augmented reality glasses, but when. That's gonna do it for today's episode. One quick programming note, 
Apple is going to report earnings in a few days. This past week, I published my third quarter 2017 earnings preview. So I went over all of my estimates and projections for Apple's upcoming earnings report. I didn't just go over the numbers, but I also discussed how I derive those numbers. How am I modeling Apple? Went over the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Mac services, other products line item. We also talked about fourth quarter guidance. What am I expecting management to report? All of that was sent to above Avalon members this past week via email. Once Apple reports earnings, I then send my earnings review to above Avalon members via email. So we go over really everything there is to talk about with Apple earnings, the good things, the bad things, the surprising things, the things that weren't too surprising. So if you're already an above Avalon member, you can keep an eye out for that earnings review. If you are not an above Avalon member and you like access to both my earnings preview and receive my earnings review, all you have to do is head on over to aboveavalon.com, go to the membership page, and then become a member. It's either $10 per month or $100 per year. Sign up is very simple. The cornerstone of Above Avalon membership is access to a daily email that I write all about Apple. Each email is about 2,000 words, contains two to three stories, and we cover everything that's worth talking about in the world of Apple. We cover everything from current news events to what competitors are doing to, of course, talking about Apple earnings, Apple keynotes. My goal with these daily emails is to gain a better perspective on how Apple is viewing the world. Above Avalon members also have access to the Above Avalon team in Slack. So that's where the archive exists. That's where you could go back and read the earnings preview and also every prior daily email. And this is also where you can chat with other Above Avalon members. Above Avalon is 100% supported by its members. I'm very proud of that. So for those of you who are already Above Avalon members, thank you. And for those of you who are considering becoming a member, thank you in advance. With that, I will conclude today's episode. We will talk to each other next week. Bye.